0: Welcome back to another episode of the Woe Podcast. You found the show that talks about all things horses and horsemanship. I'm your host, John Hare. Thanks for finding our show. We're entering our fifth year, and it's all because of the support we get from you. We couldn't do it without you, nor would we want to. This week, we take you to Horse Expo Pomona. Horse Expo brings together some of the top clinicians and vendors in the country for a three-day weekend of fun, entertainment, and learning. My schedule only permitted me to be there on Friday, but I spent the day going to seminars, reconnecting with friends, learning more about horsemanship, and, of course, I brought my recorder along. I caught up with Jonathan Field outside his booth early in the day. On our way to find a quiet place for the interview, I told Jonathan about my experience with Scratch, my wild horse project and asked for some advice. We talked about 15 minutes about my horse and he gave me some great tips. Then I remembered to turn the recorder on. Yeah, I know, I'm an idiot. But Rene wasn't along to keep an eye on me, so it's not entirely my fault. Anyway, Jonathan gave me another 15 minutes and some great tips for you and your horse. Here's Jonathan Field on The Woe Podcast.
1: How's he doing now?
0: He's doing okay. I've got him. I'm great at arena riding. It's out in the open that, I'm, that I kind of struggle with. I took him out in a spot where there was nothing out in the high desert of California. There was nothing around, no cars that were inside, nothing. He did just fine. I tried to ride down the trails by our house where I can take my my mare. When it doesn't matter if there's farm equipment or motorbikes or anything. She's good. He would—he just kind of freaks out. Right. And I can desensitize him in the, uh, in the, in my round pen with a whip and yeah. Pox, and he's fine there. It's just when he's out in the open, he's
1: gone. yeah. He starts looking like he's got a job to make sure everything is okay around His here. Survival is first. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's so, had it in eight years or seven years of it. Is yeah. that right? Yeah.
0: We're here with Jonathan Field at the uh, Horse Expo in Pomona, and you're at one of the uh, exhibitors this year. I bet it's uh, nice to be in southern california instead of canada (laughs) it's wonderful to be (laughs)
1: down here yeah to be able to come down teach some clinics over the weekend i'm really excited i've been here i think this is my fourth or fifth time and uh i always enjoy the welcome i get and and i definitely enjoy the weather john
0: (laughs) i bet and what are uh, some of the topics of that you're you're clinics are on?
1: Well uh, this this week or uh, weekend I've got uh, today's Friday then Saturday Mm -hmm. Sunday each day I have have a clinic with a a mare that uh, she's seven years old uh, or just seven Uh, she was a polo pony in Florida then came to California then ended up at a rescue and she uh, was then adopted out from that so she's got some training in polo but she's pretty straight and pretty lively she actually became too big to be a polo pony. So they wanted to find her a good home. It wasn't like she was emaciated or anything in that type of rescue situation, but just to find a good home. So she was adopted by a young lady who uh, was looking for a little help with her. And so I'm going to take her through the whole weekend. And I'm going to start today on the ground with her and talk about developing a great riding horse from the ground, how to get that connection, how to get the focus towards you, uh, and get some of the bend and some of the physical stuff that we need to have for when we get on the back. And then the next two days, I'm going to ride her. And she goes in an English saddle, and that's what she brought for her. So I'll be riding an English saddle a little well, bit fun. to my background. Yeah, <laughs>
0: That sounds great. Yeah. Now, as I was uh, standing by your booth, you were talking about it. it sounded like a fairly new 31
1: yeah, yeah, it's called 31 in 13, and it's brand new. I mean, we, a week ago we released it. Uh, we've had an amazing response from it so far. It's a free e-video series that anybody on our newsletter, we released a new website. So if people go to our website, uh, JonathanFieldHorsemanship.net, they can sign in to 31 in 13. And the idea is they'll get 31 free videos, about four to six minutes long, highly educational. I wanted to jam as much as I could, over 13 months. So that's why we call it 31 in 13. And they can unsubscribe anytime. There's no cost. Uh, I just wanted to have a way of connecting with people and sharing horsemanship, and uh, and just you know I come to expos all the time and we ha- we talk about these topics. And I thought, well, there's so many people in Europe and all all around the country that may not get the benefit of uh, some of these lessons and things that we talk about all the time. So that's why I wanted to make it available.
0: And it's absolutely free. You don't have to give them a credit card or there's anything. You just sign up to it. Huh?
1: Absolutely free. Uh, if you if you're yeah, I mean if you're. Uh, uh, interested to go further into the website, you can. But mm-hmm. that doesn't—it's it. just on the newsletter. You hit play, and there it is. It's for you. Some yeah. free information yeah. for all horsemen. Yeah, and it's—it's it's really, really. I didn't hold anything back. I outlined a lot of topics, and, and it was—it's—I'm it's, it's, really proud of it.
0: And now the crowd here at Horse Expo. What type of horsemen do you think that are out here? These—these are, these are mostly recreational riders. Uh, what problems do you think that they—they they struggle with the most? Uh,
1: yeah, I would say it's probably mostly recreational riders for sure. The big thing is everybody has the issue of, you know, whatever they describe. It might be you know out on the trail or all the various things. What I try to what I try to talk about uh, is what is the real root cause of this? Like you know, you're talking about uh, your horse uh, out in the desert. There he's fine in the desert. There's not much to look at, but as soon as other things like quads or kids or you know outside of the round pen, so to speak, right. he's oversensitive. And what I'm going to try to do with the mare and uh, to show people is really, how do you get that mind starting to connect to you? Like, what are the signs? The ear, the eye, when they bend, when they physically respond to a body part, you ask them to move. There has to be recognition that they did and then a release. So that, you, so that the horse is maybe looking away, you ask him to connect with you and maybe bend his body, get an ear back to you, get an eye back to you. And then when he does, you give a little release. There's a little, like, a recognition of that. And then that builds into more and more moments where that horse can say, listen, I've, I've got to stare over there. I just can't help but look. But wait a minute, did John do something? And then they look back at you. Right. And when the horse is, has no connection and they're kind of looking to their own instinct, their own uh, survival, they're looking over there and they've completely forgot about what you're doing. They're thinking they have to look out for themselves. They're thinking about their herd mate. They're thinking about some instinct. Maybe they're worried about the saddle, whatever it is. Or what you're doing, and people don't aren't are, oftentimes are not aware enough of when those horses are connected and when they're not, and then how to get them. Right. So many of those things that uh, people ask me the questions about it comes back to the leadership, comes back to understanding how do I get this horse mentally with me? Can he even get with me right now? Maybe this is too much for him. So what can I do at this moment to try to get him with me? And what's reasonable to ask? Then thinking of that in terms of a day, in terms of a week, in terms of say three or four months. Uh, I'm only concerned with that so that I can get those cues coming uh, cumulatively hundreds and hundreds or maybe thousands of times where that horse is checking in to where he uh, anything can pretty much go on around uh, my horse. My horse will look, but he'll still be willing to look back and listen. So I, I, there's no way you're going to desensitize him to the world. Uh, if you try to do that, you'd dull the senses of the horse and then you'd have to resensitize him to you. Right. It's right. not about that. It's about getting him to be able to still hear you when he thinks he needs to go to his instincts.
0: And he can look at that dangerous stuff, but he's still got to check in he's, with me. He's still got to be
1: able to check in. Right. Yeah, of course. He's hes not a horse bot, <laughs> you know? He's not a quad. He's going to have an opinion. He might go past a garbage can and take a look. Right. But if all of a sudden he ducks off to the side, turns wheels and bolts, we've got a problem. Right. So when he starts to look at the garbage can, can he look back? And the issue is not so much when you're in the situation with the garbage can or with the herd running away. The issue is how good is he every other time you're handling this horse. And people often say, oh, my horse is with me. That's not the issue. It's only when I go on the trail. I'm like, there's with you and then there's really with you. Right, Right. You know, And how you get that horse responsive and get those quick twitch reflexes working where they can check and they can move. Um, and that takes horsemanship, and that's what the horsemen talk about, with feel and timing and, of course, leadership. And you're going to be doing that with a poly, that's polo what, pony? Yeah. That's what we're going to do. I'm in a,
0: cra- in a uh, crowded arena, so I'm, yeah. going to go, I'm going to be watching that.
1: Yeah, and it's her first time there. So, so the factors that you take into place is what is getting in the way for this mare to be able to connect with me right now, to be able to hear me. Mm-hmm. And what's going to get in the way, of course, is she's nervous of a crowd. She'll be animated. She's already pretty hot-blooded. She's never been in this environment. So what can my expectation be of her in that hour? I have to be um, realistic to try to set her up the next day for success. So if I can get her to stand still, if I can get her to bend her body a little, something she's not very good at because she's been taught to be straight, if I can get her just to uh, follow me around and sink with me a bit, move her ribs back and forth a little bit while I'm on the ground, I'll start getting those responses in the bank, so to speak, so that when I get on her the next day, she'll have yet another day, another day kind of behind her belt, so to speak, another... Uh, way of connecting, so she can. By the third day, she'll go. Oh, this! I know what this is about. I gotta check in with this guy. Feel for this guy, and and I guess that's what it's about, John. is feel. It's feel. If they lose feel for you, because they're looking. At, it's like you and I right now visiting. We have a feel for each other. Right. You have a feel with your audience. You know, somebody in in listening on the radio or on the computer. You know, there's a feel for the conversation. they are not at this, maybe they're not, hopefully they're not texting at this moment or talking to someone <laughs> right. else. You know, like there's no feel when, when there's a distraction or a disconnection. Mm-hmm. So this is about getting a feel with a horse. And the things that get in the way of that are sometimes the horsemen. Sometimes they're too firm on the aids. Sometimes they're too rough. Sometimes they're too soft. The, the horse doesn't hear them. Sometimes the saddle doesn't fit. The feet are trimmed poorly. The horse needs a rest. Sometimes it's the external environment. It's another horse leap. Why does that horse lose the feel? And, that, and that's what I'm going to try to establish with her today and what's my reasonable expectation of what she can handle right. if I just dive in on her and overwhelm her senses I might be able to flood the brain to get it to listen but it's not listening then just then, surviving me. And, and I'm not I'm not gonna do that.
0: Right. And then you get something that, that happens really nice and really good, and then the the crowd applauds and then she's like, What the yeah. heck is that? Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay.
1: <laughs> she can do that because she goes up again, but it's at my chance to reconnect with her. There you go. See, so I'm okay if she if, if I get her with me and then one second later she spooks and jumps out twenty-five feet and you know tries to run away. Because it's another chance for me in that moment to go, yeah, and now here we have another chance. What do I have to do with this horse now? And and when I get her with me right now, what happens about two seconds later there's another now <laughs> well how about now <laughs> and what about uh now again? and uh you know i talk a lot about that in my my book the the now 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 concept uh, in the art of liberty training you know how how to think about uh the horse not so static it's, so, it's think about him dynamic when you have them with you in one environment doesn't mean it won't be the same in the next environment it's going to be different be ready for that expect it and uh, the longer you kind of sit back and go, I don't know why my horse is. Who cares why your horse is? Deal <laughs> with what you got in front of you right now. Right now, and then you can do that and get that connection back again. I know that I want her to be good with crowds cheering. I know I want her to be good in when horses are coming or going. So I need all those things to help set her up, to show her she can still be with me even when all those things happen.
0: There are opportunities to train.
1: That's exactly right. Opportunities to get the leadership, get the eye, get the ear, get a little movement. And, and when I think about training, I'm thinking of putting in the exercises that she can remember when she's in adversity. Putting in the exercises, like say circles, like certain movements with her body, bending her body, bringing an ear back to me when I'm on her. Putting in these exercises that uh, she can remember when she is reactionary about something else. So I can go back to those things and say say she wants to look at the horses running off in the other field. I can go back to those circles. I can go back to those movements, which I'll work on with her here. That she can go right. Whenever I do those movements, I connect with that guy.
0: Are those exercises the same on every horse or do you think some horses... Kind of perk up more when you start doing the circles as opposed to maybe the bending or a serpentine or.
1: You know, I think it's different with every horse a little bit, and a lot of that has has to be determined by how much energy they have. So much of horsemanship is managing energy. So if you have a horse that has to, lots of energy, uh, and you go into some finite little thing like bending and trying to get the ear, you're off the mark. You might right. need to get more movement, bigger circles, serpentines, different different exercises, yielding different body parts in a bigger way. If you have a horse that's just you know kind of half thinking they're on the way to a funeral every time they go somewhere, yet they're they're slow, but they're still not with you, and you know they aren't. Uh, if you do, you know, same exercise, do it too long, uh, with one horse it's going to work great, the other horse is going to shut them right off. So that's a gain, that's feel, that's horsemanship. But if you can, if, if people can watch and think about... Uh, looking at a horseman approach a horse, watching, you know, uh, these sessions like at the expo like this and, and various like 31 and 13, you know, watch how I handle those horses through there. Watch other horsemen that, that you might respect and, and look for the techniques, but look behind the techniques, behind the exercises. How long do they stay on a particular task? How quick do they get out of it? When do they release and rub that horse? Did they rub the horse? When do they get off? When did they decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this horse at the top of the mountain? You know, and this horse needs a day of work. Right. You know, when, how are those decisions made? That's the undercurrent, which is actually where the horsemanship is. You know, moving the hindquarter yield, the bend of the stop, the, rubbing them with a stick or bringing a flag out. That's, that's, everybody sees those things and they're worked up about those things. I need to get a flag now and I need to get a stick like that and I need to rub them on the flank or rub them on the back leg or I need to circle a horse. That's technique. It's, it's you, you've got to have that, the coordination to do those things. But horsemen, if you watch for what's happening underneath, I used to watch horsemen and think, could I time when I think they're going to stop with that horse or when they're going to add more? And I knew I was starting to get a little more when I would say, well, they're about to uh, give that horse a nice rest at horses. And and when they did, I knew I was right. When they didn't, I was like, oh, I still got. I wonder why they didn't do that. Right. right. Kind of the undercurrent, what's happening there.
0: Thanks for uh, stopping John, by. thank it's you. It's always good to see you. Yeah, and, you too, uh, my friend. Appreciate it.
1: My Thanks. pleasure. Thank you.
0: Be sure to check out JonathanFieldHorsemanship.com and his 31 in 13 program. I'll have all the links in the show notes at woepodcast.com. Walking from one arena to the next, I saw Clinton Anderson after his morning session. Clinton was the inspiration for this podcast. He's always been willing to talk and answer questions, but I often feel intimidated. I'd like to ask some horsemanship questions, but somehow... With all of his DVDs I own, I think I should know all the answers. But I wanted to say hi, and he was gracious enough to talk to me. So we're catching up with Clinton Anderson at the Horse Expo Pomona. Good morning, Clinton. How you doing? Good morning, mate. How are you today? I'm doing great. I saw that you packed the house this morning with your round pen exercise.
2: How yeah, I was happy with the demonstration. The horse did good. The crowd was um, seemed very receptive. I haven't been back here an expo in California in almost 10 years so it's good to be back and see some old familiar faces and uh, you're not doing a,
0: a tour stop here in California so is this kind of yes toxicity? this is
2: kind of the tour stop yeah cool. like it's we're not coming back here probably for a couple more years we try to get to every area you know every three years
0: yeah you do a great job of that mm-hmm. you've done wild mustangs you've, you've uh, on your TV show you have uh, trained uh, off the uh, track thoroughbreds yes sir you've gone to Australia and done a, um, a A Brumby horse. Yes. Uh, What do you have next on the schedule? I can't
2: tell you. It's a secret. Oh, come on. No, no. Uh, How about
0: a little hint? No,
2: well, there's 10 things that people could choose from. We had that on our Facebook a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, 10 different challenges around the world, but I can't give it up. It will be filming a brand new series. That'll be the hardest thing I've ever done in 2017.
0: Got to get in condition for that.
2: Absolutely, a lot of preparation. But I'm not giving away any more so, secrets. So you that's could it. tell me, but you'd have to kill me. Then. Yes, is exactly that... <laughs> right. Yes, so okay. that's not going to happen.
0: Well, you know, as our podcast is kind of for the uh, for the novice horsemen, what do you think the the toughest problem for uh, young horsemen or or someone new to the to horsemanship?
2: They find the wrong horses. They're buying the wrong first horse. They're buying horses that are inexperienced. Um, not well-trained and it's ruining their confidence it's putting them in a dangerous situation and uh people get out of horses because they buy the wrong horse get hurt and get out yeah. if i could you know if I, I wish people would just buy the right well-trained quiet horse and and i understand good horses are expensive but you know you get what you pay for right you spend a thousand dollars on a car you get a thousand dollar car you know you, you get what i'm trying to say <laughs> this is your safety on the line
0: you spend $300 on a horse, you spend yeah. 10000 on a hospital. Yeah, bill. you know
2: what I mean? That's so, they're buying the wrong horses.
0: Well, hey, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule, and uh, good seeing me. mate. Thank you. Have a good day. Be sure to check out DownUnderHorsemanship.com for more great stuff coming from Clinton. Pomona is about a two-hour drive from my home, and it's good to see some old friends. Laura Renee Johnson was competing with her horse, Star, in the evening's Ultimate Horse Challenge event organized by Charles Wilhelm. We chatted a few moments about what it's like to compete in front of a huge crowd in a noisy covered arena. So, we're with uh, Laura Renee Johnson at the Horse Expo Pomona, and you're competing in the Ultimate Super Horse Challenge that uh, Richard Wilhelms put together.
3: Yes, it's my 17 year old half Arab and myself.
0: So, Star is going to be competing? Oh, you already had a. Part of the competition last night.
3: We had on Thursday a, um, a trail course. They they called it ranch riding, but it had some obstacles in it, and an in-hand course.
0: And then you compete
3: tonight. We compete tonight with a um, with another trail course that's a little more extensive, and then we get to work cows.
0: Oh, do you really? And what are, and what are you going to be doing with cows? Is it going to be a cutting thing?
3: It's going to be ranch cutting so you have to take one out and keep it away from from the herd and how long have you been training for this for this particular competition not long but uh, star and I have done uh, ranch versatility shows and cowboy races and trail tra- trials throughout her her career well, great and, and
0: how, how you think you're gonna be doing
3: well if I can get my nerves under control <laughs> I,
0: we should do okay <laughs> so it's more your nerves, and the star's doing okay then?
3: Huh? She, she's a little bothered by the crowd noise, but it seems like she's doing better.
0: Oh, good. And I've noticed that you've had her out under the arena while other clinicians have been doing their
3: things to kind of get her used to that.
0: Yes. Because there's really no place to practice
3: getting no. them in. No. And in Tehachapi, where I live, we just had snowfall, and so for the last week, we couldn't do anything.
0: So she's she's kind of wound up
3: now, too. Right? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, it's
0: great. There's horses all around, and um, and it's a great experience for not only uh, for your horse to get him kind of broke to this, but for you, too, because it, it gives you a great experience when you go and do some of your other disciplines, right?
3: Yes, it uh, definitely helps to calm my nerves to get into other types of activities. And what other
0: types of things do you do?
3: Um, I mainly do rain cow horse, horse. and that's what I did with Star um, before I retired her from that two years ago, and then I started with my quarter horse mare.
0: Mm -hmm. And then you've been working with uh, the trainer, Matt Sheridan, up in Tehachapi to prepare for this event?
3: Yes, Matt actually started Star for me, uh, well, she's 17, it was... uh, 13 years ago. Wow. And I've been riding with him ever since, and he helped me get started doing all sorts of shows, and uh, that's how I actually got started doing Rain Cow Horse.
0: Well, if anybody can get you ready for a competition like this, it's Matt.
3: Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, the best of luck to you, Laura. Thank you for uh, for taking time out. I know it's kind of a Busy schedule for you, but I appreciate you taking a few minutes out.
3: Thank you very much.
0: Although I couldn't stay for the competition, I hear Laura did a wonderful job with STAR. It takes guts to compete in an event like that, and I'm proud of her. Many listeners have emailed me to say, John, you have to check out this guy named Warwick Schiller. He's good. Well, sure enough, after his afternoon presentation, we sat down and he gave me some tips, and this time I had the recorder running. He's easy to understand, and his principles are straightforward. And even though I tried to botch his name several times, he was very nice to me. And uh, you just got finished with a uh, demonstration over at the Spirit Arena. How did that go for you?
4: Yeah, I thought it was really, really good. We had a big crowd. I was, I was expecting two people, seeing that uh, there's a lot of other big names on it at the same time. So I was quite happy. There was probably a couple hundred people there. It was good.
0: There was. And you were talking about um, you wanted your horse desensitized and responsive at the same time. And you were working on that with a young horse.
4: Yeah, I was talking about how, the, uh, you know, when you get those horses, having either a horse desensitized or sensitized doesn't really make much difference it's whether you can go from one state to the other and back to the original state that that really gets your horse mentally prepared for anything that's really what the whole thing was about was was why you know why do groundwork and how does it help you and i was mostly talking about the mental side of groundwork you know like in australia a lot of people say well you know i was riding along and my kangaroo jumped out of the bushes and scared my horse and what should i do well you know during your training you are going to be that kangaroo you are going to be a little scary to him and then get him over it and You know, you don't. I like to say that I I like to control the situation, not have the situation control me. So, you know, the first time they get concerned about something, it's going to be me they're concerned about, and I'm going to get them over their concerns. And and when I say I get them concerned, I'm not trying to scare them or anything. I'm asking them to be quite responsive. And when they get responsive or sensitized, as you just mentioned, once they get responsive, they go and get a little jittery, you know, and then you bring them back down again. But you're the one who, who. Controls how responsive they get and how jittery they get,
0: and it's somewhat like uh, maybe bending a paperclip. You just keep on doing it back and forth, back and forth, and and then once they've they've done it a certain number of times, depending on the horse, they're gonna. They're going to be a better horse that way
4: yeah very much like the paper clip or you know a piece of paper you take a piece of paper you fold it up straight and it's full of wrinkles and after a while you can turn into a piece of cloth where it's just one big wrinkle and it's just almost smooth wrinkle sort of thing but the big the thing i talked about over there john was that that groundwork is a bit like cognitive behavior therapy for humans you know like my wife has um has anxiety and has panic attacks, and she has this cognitive behavior therapy thing she's supposed to do where she sits, one day when she's nice and relaxed, she should sit down and think of something that gets her a bit uptight. And then focus on her breathing and get herself back down. And when she gets back down, what should she do then? Close her eyes and think about something that gets her uptight. And then focus on her breathing and getting back down. And it's a cognitive behavior therapy for people with anxiety. And, and you know, horses live through their emotions. They, they, they tend to carry a bit of anxiety around, and so it's very much like uh, human cognitive behavior therapy.
0: And does that translate directly into riding, or do you have to also then start making a transition so that it works under saddle?
4: Uh, It doesn't translate directly to under saddle. The mental side of it does, the ability to come back down. If your horse has no ability to come down after he gets up, well, you know, so it does does translate over there. what it tends to do is get to where if you have a problem that is the problem you know the problem is not the fact they've got anxiety about something else and it amplifies there if you can have them on a pretty even keel you know when you start riding them whatever you're working on is the problem and, and, and you know training horses you might have to, to put a little pressure on them here and there and it helps them deal with pressure it kind of teaches them how to look for answers instead of not looking for answers you know instead of getting in that panic mode sort of thing
0: and the recreational riders which I think a lot of the people that come to an event like this what do you see as their one of their biggest challenges with their horses
4: I'd say exactly what I was talking about there is the horse is not really having any control over the emotional side of them you know if those horses get wound up they don't know how to get back down and during that session over there I I um you know i gave the example of a lot of people i have it like i have a very active facebook group and a lot of people ask me questions and one of the questions i'll get is i was trail riding the other day and my horse got wound up when all the horse the other horses galloped over the hill or whatever happened you know and uh i couldn't get him unwound you know i couldn't get him back down how do i how do I, how what should i have done and my question to them is how's your groundwork?" and they always say no 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 i, I think you misunderstood me i was on a trail ride at the time and I say, no, how's your groundwork? How's your groundwork basically means is, have you taught your horse some basic strategies on how to get down from getting up? You know, you, because on the side of a cliff with a barbed wire fence on one side and a drop-off on the other side is not the time to figure out if you can get your horse back down. <laughs> you know, you need to... you need to, uh, have that preparation done before you go out there.
0: I think that's a big challenge for recreational riders but like myself is that it, particularly in the wintertime, I might only be able to get on my horse on weekends. so that means five days a week. it's dark when I right. you know when I go to work and it's dark when I get home there's not much to do so my horse stays there and and you don't really get to work with them on a, on a regular basis.
4: Right and that's what I think summers good for. <laughs> you know, I mean all this stuff you if you do it, if you do it well, you know, when is a horse trained? When he knows it. And when does he know it? When he can give you the right answer every time you ask. And so I think, you know, there's a, a lot of repetition and training. And I think during the summer, that's when you've got to do the hard work. And then, you know, as they say about horses filling in for you, you know, you, Ray Hunt and those guys used to talk about a horse that fills in for you, which means you do something stupid and, and there's no wreck involved. Initially, you've got to fill in for them a lot, you know, in the initial training. And once they get trained, then they kind of fill in for you and you can... You know, once a week in the winter, you can jump on and go for a ride and stuff won't happen. And they're okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: So now if people want to find out about more about Warwick Schiller uh, horsemanship, where's the best place for them to, to go?
4: Uh, on my website. It's www.warwickschiller.com, which is W-A-R, the second mm-hmm. W-I-C-K. So it's W-A-R-W-I-C-K, okay. second W silent. S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R.com. I have a, if I want to go on my Facebook group, it's Warwick Schiller Performance Horsemanship. Okay. I'm very active on there, so I answer a lot of questions. Yeah, they're probably the two best places to get a hold of me. Yeah,
0: you know, we were talking a little bit earlier before you, uh, when I first met you, and you were talking about going all over the world. Mm-hmm. You, do you travel quite a bit?
4: Yes, last year I did five trips to Australia, uh, one to New Zealand, two to Europe and one trip all across Canada. I started on the, on the west coast of Canada and ended up on Prince Edward Island on the uh, east coast.
0: Well, pretty uh, rough life being a clinician then.
4: Uh, yeah, well, I was, you know, I'd, I've been a, a reining horse trainer for a long time, and, and uh, up until last year was the first year I didn't train horses for a living. Like, I had no horses in training, which was a, you know, when you've done that for 20-something years, it's, it's kind of weird to walk away from it, but it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to to do the clinics and keep the horses in training and have it all, you know, have it all be really, really good, you know, had something had to give.
0: Well, sounds good. I really appreciate you taking time out of the schedule today to give us a talk.
4: Perfect. Thanks very much. Great.
0: It was great to listen to your presentation. Thank you. Be sure to check out Warwick's group Facebook page, Warwick Schiller Performance Horse. Craig Cameron has a good time wherever he goes and I could talk to him for hours about putting a handle on a horse. His laugh is infectious and his smile is engaging. We got some great tips from Craig about how to improve your horsemanship. Craig Cameron, uh... Lufthal, Texas. And you're out here at the Pomona Horse Expo, and you've got a seminar coming up here shortly, and you're going to be talking about horse patterns and new exercises for horses.
5: Well, you know, I love uh, using these patterns because uh, they give the horse some place to go, they give them something to do, you know, and I don't want to just ride just a mindless circle where the horse gets kind of dull and begins to create a lot of uh, bad habits. So if a guy, you know, just you'd be a little bit more creative and uh, use some patterns that get these horses thinking and, and uh, listening to the rider and, following a the field, uh, they get a lot better real quick. So the patterns are fun for both the horse and the rider.
0: You know, my audience is uh, kind of the rookie-type horseman, and what do you think the biggest problem that, that a young horseman or has with, with their horse?
5: Well, I think, you know, uh, I like to go out there every day as a student myself. You know, everybody's a student of the horse. So, you know, you want to leave your pride behind, leave your ego behind, and go out there and with the attitude that, hey, today I'm going to ride better than I did yesterday. So be patient with yourself. Uh, be patient with your horse. Uh, you know, learn to wait on your horse. And and remember, really, to be honest with you, it's more about working on yourself than it is the horse. Your feel, your timing, your rhythm, uh, your tempo, your balance, your patience, your consistency. And, uh, you know, if you'll think of it that way, I think, uh, uh, again, slow down, work on your communication skills, uh, then you and your horse. Uh, there's no way you're not going to get better.
0: Now, you're out here with the, uh... Uh, with all these clinicians, they got a kind of an all star group of clinicians out here. I noticed you were uh, sitting there uh, talking with Pat Pirelli a little yeah. bit earlier. Yeah,
5: well, Pat's a good friend of mine, and uh, you know, he's an excellent horseman and quite an innovator. And uh, you know, I've been friends with him a long time. Where uh, they did an article not long ago, they called the original clinicians, and uh, uh, me and Pat were both uh, uh, part of that uh, article. We've been around a while, <laughs> so but uh, he's a brother of mine, and uh, he's a good guy and a great horseman, and you know. Uh, You can learn something from everybody, everywhere, you know, and uh, that's that's the whole idea. Get out here. That's what these expos are all about. Sharing knowledge, giving knowledge, and we're all here for the benefit of the horse.
0: And you can't believe this weather here. Isn't this a beautiful (laughs) February morning? It is beautiful. We just left Texas, you know.
5: uh, uh, We're down there. It's pretty dang chilly. Uh, you know, the more Texas Blue Northers blow in there and it gets cold. but uh, So it's nice to be out here in sunny California. The folks are friendly. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, again, a privilege and a pleasure to be out here at the uh, Pomona Horse Expo.
0: And uh, just give us a little bit of a glimpse into the rest of your year, Craig. What are you going to be doing? Uh, you got anything coming up special?
5: Well, I got lots of things coming on the road, you know, traveling from the uh, East Coast to West Coast, you know, putting on seminars. You can go to Craig Cameron dot com. And we just added about 400 acres to our uh, ranch over there. Uh, we're cutting brand new trails, a lot of real rough country. So if you're looking for a great clinic with a lot of action, a lot of riding, a lot of great trail work, uh, very challenging, and a lot of fun, be sure to come to a Craig Cameron clinic. So you know we're just working all the time. I'll also be at uh, doing all the commentating at uh, this year's World Championships at the Road to the Horse. So uh, you know lots of action. We'll be up to Calgary Stampede, and of course we got our TV show still going on on RFD TV ride smart
0: well i appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and i'll put uh, craigcameron.com in the show links and thank you very much for talking
5: thank you john you keep up the great work and we appreciate all everything that you do as well great thank you
0: at the end of the interview craig tells me he has an intern from sweden and he would make a great interview i caught up with anton hagstrom a little later and got his perspective on american horsemanship Anton
6: anton hagstrom
0: you're here training with uh, Craig Cameron, I understand, Anton
6: Yes, sir, yes, sir.
0: What's your home country?
6: My home country is Sweden actually, so yeah. And
0: uh, you're obviously a horseman over there.
6: Yes, sir, I'm trying what, to do my best. And,
0: and what, uh, what brings you to, to the United States? I mean, why did you pick Craig Cameron to train you?
6: Well, I didn't really I didn't pick him in the beginning. I kind of I was lucky. I, uh, I took a year off. Uh, when I was 18 years old in school and uh, I wanted to go over here and learn more about horses and horsemanship and training and all that and I yeah I gave him a phone call and he didn't have a guy working for him at that time so uh, he told me that yeah I could come over and ride with him and if I did good I got to stay and uh, so now I'm here my third time and yeah it's been five years since the first time so I, I really I have a good time and I like to ride with him a lot. And what do you do at home? I, I ride horses, I train horses, uh, people bring me outside horses, it's show horses and it's colts and I, I start them, I train them and uh, mostly it's raining horses over there, but they, it's, we have a little bit of everything too. So, uh, And yeah, what,
0: what do you think is the biggest difference between Sweden and the United States?
6: Uh, the biggest difference, it's so much bigger over here, there's so much more horse people, more horses, better horses and, and it's, um, that's, I think that's the biggest thing, it's more in the culture over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, which make a difference, but I think it's it's growing over there, and I, I see a market, I see a market coming up, and I try to go with it. So
0: well, great. Is that now? Is there a recreational market in Sweden that you you attract, or is it mostly performance horses?
6: No, it's 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 not mostly. I try to I try to stay wide, so mm-hmm. so I get enough. If you try to stick only to the performance, or it's tough business. So I try I try to get a little of everything and as long as the customer I say, if I see a green rider that gets happy with its horse that that makes me as happy as if a horse wins in the show so wow. yes sir so, and what kind of
0: uh, what are the more important techniques that you've learned from Craig
6: I just I try to try to try to be patient and try to spend time with a horse and not don't try to rush it and be gentle and try to look at things from the horse point of view and not not from yourself try to try to see your part in the in the deal and yeah, just get it done and don't, don't rush it, you know, spend mm-hmm. time, and yeah. What's a typical day like for you back at the ranch? Back at the ranch in Texas, you mm-hmm. mean? Yes. Yeah, we we I get up quite early and we go out and feed horses and uh, uh, clean the pens, and then we get them saddled up and we start riding. And then, uh, obviously, we do a lot of ranch work as well. We're getting some stuff done. And, uh, I try to spend as much time with Craig as possible, you know, and just, just win, yeah, just keep on working. A guy okay, with that I'm much just...
0: experience, you can just kind of learn stuff by just being next to him. Right?
6: Exactly, that's what I'm trying to do, and I just try to get as much time close to him as I can, and yeah, he's really nice to me too. He's letting me get on in his demonstration on the TV show, and he just, yeah, he lets me get out there, and which I appreciate a lot. So,
0: how has your horsemanship improved the most by being?
6: He showed me all those good techniques. That that works for the horse, and most of all, he shows me. He don't only show me one technique to get to the goal. He shows me a lot of them, which make me able to kind of get more horses good at it. You know, because not every horse is another one alike. So try to try to get those difficult horses and the tough ones as good as the easier ones. You know, and he shows me a lot of different techniques for that. So. don't have to make all the mistakes myself. So
0: you're in uh, California now. Do you get to travel the country with Craig? Yes,
6: sir. Sure do. And I appreciate it. And how do
0: you, what do you think of California?
6: I like it. Sunny California. Hi, it's it's great out here. For a Swedish guy, that's that's good. So. <laughs>
0: What's it like back home?
6: Uh, it's pretty cold. It's probably around, I don't know, zero degrees Fahrenheit right oh, now. My God. Windy, a little snowy. So <laughs> I'm happy I'm here. There you go. You can you get
0: sunburned. Yeah, <laughs> I sure will. I hope so. I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. It was nice talking with you, Anton. And I hope sir. to see you again. Thank you. There were many more great clinicians I would have liked to sit down and talk to, but my schedule just didn't permit it. Many of these guys and gals are working their booths and talking to fans or giving demonstrations. I got to see a little bit of the Pirelli demonstration and some of the Brandy Lyons demo. I'd love to get those guys in front of the mic sometime. Thanks to those we did catch up with. Clinton Anderson, Jonathan Field, Laura Renee Johnson, Warwick Schiller, Craig Cameron, and Anton Hagstrom. Thanks to the folks at Horse Expo Pomona for the invitation and look for their Western States Horse Expo coming to Sacramento in the summer. I've got links to all the people we talk to in the show notes at woepodcast.com. I'd really love to hear your thoughts on not only this episode, but the show in general. Send an email to john at woepodcast.com. You can find all our shows on iTunes and Stitcher. There are over a hundred of them now, and they're all on woepodcast.com, where you can find links to our YouTube channel with over 80 videos. Podcasts and videos are all free. If you would like to support the show, I've teamed up with Patreon. Your contributions help offset some of the equipment, travel, and expenses it takes to produce the Woe Podcast. Every little bit helps. You can find the link to Patreon at woepodcast.com. Thanks for listening and sharing this podcast. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare encouraging you to go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.